Lower your expectations. It's a hockey podcast from Lance, Coach, and Randall. Gabe Gifford Hockey is our Season 2 sponsor. Fantastic young man. He has recorded 21-hour stick time lessons and put them online as a course. It'll take your little champion through 20 hours of competitive hockey lessons. You can get more out of stick and puck with your child. It's better, and it's a lot less expensive than a regular private coach would be. Give him a look, because he's a great kid, and he's helped us out a lot. Hello, and welcome to Episode 5, Season 2 of the Youth Hockey Podcast. Uh, this is Randall. Uh, I am with Coach Raleigh. And Lance, uh, would you guys like to say something to the nice people? Hello, and I'm happy to be here. Same. Okay, Raleigh, you are you are the master of the one syllable quip. Same. See, he's 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 just good at it. Anyway, uh, I was going to start uh, today's topic with uh, a little talk about what to do when you're dealing with a deep bench. And when I say a deep bench, I mean that there are several lines in front of your wonderful little hockey player, uh, and they keep on sending other lines out, and your kid is not getting out. Uh, very often. And, and how do you deal with that? And I, I don't know. I, I know that I've been on, uh, uh, my son has been on teams where we have four lines. Uh, and one, one of the teams he was on had four lines and an extra player, which was fantastic because that meant every once in a while, your kid's fourth liner. <laughs> and my kid was a little young to be on this team. Uh, he probably shouldn't have been there, which is another topic. But every once in a while, when you got that short fourth fourth line shift, you would also get replaced on that fourth line for the fourth line shift. Uh, just before I go into my understand, like the what I think of it, Lance, how would you accept that if you were a hockey parent? Uh, well, you know, I guess I'd start by saying I, I try not to let myself get into that situation because if my kid's going to be at the lower end. I probably would prefer that he play down a level where he'll be a first line player, but you know, that happens. It happens to everybody where maybe um, things turn out a little differently than you planned. And uh, the advice I always give my sons is uh, look, many a great career started with players on the fourth line. And the secret that they had was that, they made the most of every minute and every opportunity they got. And that's what I would tell my son. If you're playing three shifts a game, you better make those the three most magical shifts you have in you. You bring up a good, good point, though. Uh, the, the idea that if your kid is on the first line in a long bench, it really might not matter that much. I mean, I, I think uh, we've all seen coaches that play their first line um, – uh, I would say liberally. Uh, uh, and so if you were on that first line, uh, a long bench might not even be a topic that you need to worry about. Uh, Coach Raleigh, uh, what, what do you have to say about uh, long benches and or first line on a long bench? Well, um, you know, a lot of this goes into what people are looking for in, in a team. And um, okay, if, if your kid is... I'm going to take your example because um, I happen to know of the team 
which has this exact circumstance right now. And to me, uh, I, th that's just got to be that's got to be horrible for that family and that kid. And and it's not great for the for the fourth line entirely, you know, because when you've got a player who's being, you know, put in there once once every certain number of shifts, you know, that that whole thing of like, I, I think what Lance is trying to say is make the best of it. And if you're in that circumstance and you don't see a way out of it, then what can you do but but try and make the best of it? But I, I don't think that's um, a great situation for anybody. Well, here in California, you usually can drop down a level and they will let you out of your contract if you say that your kid just isn't, a, you know, so I mean, one thing you can always do, or at least you could when, when my son was playing, was drop a level and try to get on another team. Uh, is that right. still and happening? That's still, the, that's still yeah. the case. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was so going to say, though, too, is that, you know, at a certain point, uh, as you as your son moves up the the food chain, it's going to happen. And you know the example I always like I said the example I always give my kids is Tyler Toffoli. And uh, Tyler Toffoli, play, you know, was drafted by the Kings, played for the LA Kings, and you know he was a natural goal scorer. He was probably looked upon as uh, or ticketed as going to be a top six forward. He was on the third or fourth line, I think the fourth line on the Kings when he was a, a young kid and didn't play a whole lot. But again, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would call it, you have to pay your dues. He paid his dues. He worked hard. He made the most of every time he touched the ice. And within a, a year or two, all of a sudden he's on the third line. All of a sudden he's on the second line. All of a sudden, he's playing for the Montreal Canadiens this year and was probably one of the most effective players they had during the playoffs. You know, so, you know, if you're in that situation, once you're in the situation, you have two choices. You could sulk about it, uh, not be professional about it, and probably get even less playing time, or you accept your role and uh, play your heart out. And if you're good enough, and you work hard enough, you'll be noticed, you know? And, and uh, which one would you, which one would you advocate for Lance, the sulking or the working one, which, which one do you think is better? Yeah, it's, it's a close call, but I'd probably say you know, <laughs> go with the working. <laughs> I got it. I got it. That's nice of you. Sulk nice. at home behind closed doors. Well, uh, I think we got to be careful here because while uh, a very good example, and it certainly happens a lot, um, we are talking about the NHL and, you know, to bring it back to the youth hockey perspective, I mean, this kind of stuff happens at 14, 15, you know, 16, these are the ages we're talking about right now that, you know, we're not talking about, you know, professional hockey players. We're talking about kids who are trying to develop, you know, and, and become better hockey players. So yeah, and whose parents are paying a lot of money. So you you make a great point, uh, Raleigh. You know, it's not uh, you know when you can grin and bear it uh, when when you're getting health insurance and uh, travel and a whole boat boatload of money. Uh, grinning and bearing it when uh, when it's none of those things is a lot harder. Yeah, for sure. So uh, and you know it, what too? It I think it takes it. 
you know, going back to, like you said, Raleigh, the, the, the youth hockey environment, uh, I think we've talked about it in past episodes, Randy, where communication is everything. There's got to be open, honest, and frank communication because, you know, I mean, how many parents, if they've had the conversation with the coach before the, the you know, during the tryouts, before the tryouts, I mean, how many parents, if they sat down and had an honest conversation with the coach and the coach was honest with them and said, look, your kid's going to be a fourth liner at best and he's just not going to play much. How many parents would sign up for that? I mean, I certainly would not, you know, but I think a lot of times parents get into that situation because they don't ask the question or they they or they don't want to ask the question because they're, they're afraid of the answer. But But like you said, Raleigh, playing for the right team in the right role is, is, is detrimental to development of a kid and, and not playing on a team is not going to get you where you want to go. You know, we've said it before, you're going to get a hell of a lot more playing single A and being on every power play, every penalty kill, uh, the go-to guy playing all situations versus being on the triple A team and never playing at all. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And this is also in a in in a um, uh, in a system in which we have a lot of choices in California. There are twenty different clubs that you can go to, and obviously, if you are sitting in a one club town, uh, this 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 uh, discussion changes a lot because there are no other places to go, and there are no teams to drop down to. Um, so there there are times when I think. Um, you know, the solution uh, is much more what Lance was talking about, which is you you have to, you know, you have to stay where you are and you have to use it as a learning tool. And hopefully the parents don't reinforce how upset and unhappy they are, especially if you can't go anywhere. I mean, I, I, I get uh, parents, I, I, we just had at the rink, I got, a, I, got a, I got a pretty funny story today at the rink. Okay, this is a goalie and a goalie, wasn't going to start the first game of the playoffs. Now he was going to start the second game of the playoffs, but he wasn't going to start the first. And when the father found out, he quit the team and walked out with the kid. Um, that kind of behavior of being that disappointed with the team. Uh, in this case, I thought it was over what I would call, you know, it's probably a snub to, to, to not start the first game, but it's not, terrible snub uh you know there are two goalies you knew that he was either playing first or second i get it it must have been awful but at the same time my god parents can go crazy in a situation where their kid now doesn't get to play anymore you know and that big bench story or that goalie story in this case is really detrimental because there aren't always an, there isn't always another team to go to. And I think this parent, by the way, has been to every club in California hockey. And I think at this point, there is no more team. There are no more teams where that kid will play. I think he's got to go back East uh, in order to get uh, a place to play. Because if, if what I've heard is correct, uh, there are, there you know, discontent uh, uh, over playtime or, or uh, perceived slight of their, of the kid uh, has taken a lot, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's at, at a certain point you are harming your own kid. Well, not harming. That's a mean thing to say. 
you are you are you are taking away their choices by being a certain kind of parent <laughs> in the background is that yeah, is that well, going too far yeah no no because i i i was um witness to this i i know we, i know exactly what you're my god about. you you saw it i didn't see yes. it i just heard about it no yeah oh my because, god uh because uh my kid was playing in that same championship tournament there so yeah <laughs> uh there's a little bit more to it um Okay, go ahead. Uh, please give me context. Uh, that's what I heard. No, I, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it made no sense. Why? Why do you quit the team and literally your last maybe two weekends of hockey? Um, that particular kid. I mean, that thing was a, that that was a long time coming though because um, I think the <laughs> well, I'll just say the real problem with that is that that kid was on another team earlier in the season and would have played and been the number one goalie on that team and decided the parents decided that they were not sure that the team that he was signed to was going to be good enough. And uh, they didn't want him to play in a lower level. And so they quit the team and, and gave up his, you know, number one goalie spot, left the other team with only one goalie for the entire season. And that, and their kid never started a game the entire season so they were you know besides themselves but i guess it just you know it goes to show <laughs> what, what were you looking for there were you looking for the opportunity for your kid to get a lot of time and opportunity especially as a goalie where maybe sometimes playing on a weaker team is better or what what were they chasing they were chasing being on a better team that they thought were, was gonna you know play tournaments and have championships or whatever i i mean that's really what it came down to there. Okay, and, I'm sorry we ver veered into gossip here, folks, uh, but it, it is kind of relevant. It, like parents, uh, you know, how you handle, how parents handle difficult situations. And in this case, we were talking about originally uh, just a lot of kids on a bench, but how you handle situations like that. Uh, and I know I have handled them badly in the past. I know Lance has never handled the situation badly in the past. Neither of you, Raleigh. And that's why you are such a good <laughs> and sage. No, you are. You are sage advice givers because of that fact. Thank you. But uh, I would I, say I, I'm I, a sage advice giver because of... <laughs> oh, go ahead, Dave. No, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, I think I have sage advice because of all the mistakes I've made. I can impart the don't make the mistakes I made uh, upon people. You know what I mean? I think if everything were rosy and clear, it would be hard to to, to mentor people and help them. But because i Not I've seen true, it, Lance. Not true. <laughs> Everybody in hockey loves Lance Alex. If you like took a, a... And people that are listening to this that aren't from Southern California, I'm sorry. But the, if you took a, 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 a poll of people who love Lance Alexander, uh, as opposed to people who do not like Lance Alexander, wouldn't even be close. Everybody in Southern California loves Ale Lance Alexander. Now, hey, I agree with you 100%. I am <laughs> well-loved <laughs> in the world, but yeah, that, doesn't mean I did, man. I, that doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. I'm not saying I pissed people off. I'm saying I, if I had it to do over again, I would have done things, I think, a lot differently. And um, like you said, I, th I think there were times when uh, it was more important, especially in their youth, 
to be on certain teams or play with, with certain people and, or, you know, being on the double A team at one point and being on the A team versus the B team. And again, if I had it to do all over again and my boys were six years old, I think I would have done certain things different. And the first would not even care what, whether the team was a B team, an A team, it's just being on a team where my kid's going to play a ton of time and have fun while doing it. You know, that's a good, good time to, uh, to uh, uh, tra uh, transition into the next topic, which was Lance. I'd like a story because we talked about long benches. What is the shortest bench you've ever been on? And just some, some small, uh, small quip from that, uh, from that experience. Well, I'm trying to think the shortest bench. I meant uh, if we encompass the, all of hockey, including travel and in-house and everything else. Um, I mean, I, I remember times when there, there was like two players on the bench, substitutes. And, um, you know, so you have, imagine playing on a team with four forwards and three defensemen and, uh, for as difficult as that was, I think my kids had the greatest time ever because they loved just being out there. And, Which level and was that? That was probably more of like like an A level team. Okay. You know, not not a. I don't think you could survive playing at a triple A, double A. Oh uh, no, no, with, no. With limited players, because then there's going to start to be injuries and stuff. Hey Raleigh, you know? what was the lowest? Uh, what was the lowest number of uh, of players you've ever? had uh, on a team that your son was on? Uh, well, I was going to say, um, I was going to ask you, what's for 10 years, what's the optimal number of players you want to sign? <laughs> because I know you know what the number is. Six. You and I tried everything Six. we could. Six is the number well, you want to sign because then uh, then the coach can't make any mistakes on how, how many uh, on on who to put our uh, uh, who to put out and that's the kids that you, they have the well, six. We, kids. we tried we tried for ten awful. We hard. did we did uh, I remember that uh, and I I still feel uh, like ten is a great number for uh, for squirts and for uh, uh, mites. Uh, ten is a fantastic number. Uh, 11, uh, if you, if you have a kid that isn't going to show up a lot, cause I got to tell you, uh, it's weird when there's like, you know, like one kid that doesn't show up and you got nine then. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did have an experience where my son was on a peewee team an in-house peewee team full ice. Uh, they only had enough players for six people per team. And so they decided to play four on four all season. Do you, were you part of this Lance? I can't remember. I wasn't, but I do remember that. Okay, Probably yeah. Going to watch your kids play. Right. Okay, so it was four on four, and your kid with six players, as you can imagine, in an in-house situation. How often do you think all six players showed up, Lance? None. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of hockey for those kids. I still remember how happy they came off the ice in that in-house season because literally. They, they just like, they would every once in a while hit the bench for like 10 seconds and then boing, they were back on the ice as happy as could be. Now, uh, let me so, ask you, Randy, uh, yeah. does this count? Because I forgot there was a team that John and Chris played on. There was a team uh, that to the common man watching would say, Dan, this team is going with, uh, they've only got six players on their team. 
when in reality we had 15, but you wouldn't notice <laughs> because the coach was only playing the same six guys all game long. Does uh, that count? Yeah, I think that counts. Yeah, I think <laughs> was was I think your kids were were part of the six, right? They were constantly playing. Uh, actually, they were not part of the six. Oh, and, uh, sorry. Whatever. I'll never forget it. It, it ended. It ended poorly because we got into the semifinals. I'll never forget. Um, and the Russian coach in question will go unnamed. Oh, I uh, remember him. He was that guy at the Bears, right? Exactly. And he he went into the semifinals, and somewhere somehow he he was enlightened that. I wonder if I should roll like all my lines. And so he rolled all his lines, which was an anomaly for him. And we were up, I'll never forget, we were up three to one. It's just, we were in a rhythm and it's like, you know, suddenly he's realizing that if I utilize everyone, my best players are actually fresher. And so we go up three to one, we're dominating the game, we're playing really well. So of course, what happens? Partway through the third period, he panics and goes back to his six players, and they just wore down. You know, the other team was rolling all their lines, and our top six guys, you know, skating almost 10 straight minutes. By the time the end of the third period, they couldn't even move, and we gave up two goals to tie it. It went to overtime, and uh, he decided, now I'm going to stick with the six guys who at this point had to be, like, wheelbarreled across the ice because they were so <laughs> exhausted. And uh, of course, we lost about a two minutes into overtime. So maybe he learned a valuable lesson. Oh, I know this coach. He didn't learn a thing. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, the the uh, I think uh, we've come to the point where uh, we could turn it over to Raleigh. Raleigh, I was going to ask you a couple questions about uh, uh, dealing with injuries. Uh, uh, and I know you personally, um, haven't, uh, dealt with any injuries because you're superhuman strength, but, uh, um, uh, have you witnessed any, uh, anything in your years that made you say, wow, I, I would not want to see a parent making that mistake again with an injury. Hmm. <clears throat> well, oh, uh, on a small scale, um, I can, I can talk about some times where parents, and, and this is still like, you know, we're talking about below the peewee level. Parents were so um, concerned about getting their kids on the ice because they were concerned about the kids' position on the team and whether or not they were getting going to get ice time and whether they were performing or whatever. We're literally, we've, I, I've had kids, you know, parents that sent their kids who were completely sick. I mean, they had a, a intestinal flu or whatever. I mean, one time we were playing on a team and uh, there was a kid that vomited um, all over the bench and half of his teammates. And the parents went and, um, you know, uh, basically took the kid and came back and wanted to inject him back onto the bench like after taking him to the locker room saying oh he was sick to his stomach and and got that out and uh you know nothing's that important um the other the other thing i think is is um you know changed a lot is uh i i know i've i've told you this story before how 
when I was playing uh, junior level, um, I got knocked completely unconscious, like out. And um, I got back up at some point, I guess I came to, and I sort of skated over the bench and got off. So I think that's interesting as well, that <laughs> there was no stoppage of play, apparently. <laughs> or maybe there was, I mean, as far as I remember. Um, you know, I sat there for a couple of shifts with my head down and hope, you know, letting my, my head clear. And, um, in those days, you know, everybody just called this getting your bell rung. Yeah. I was about to say, I got my bell rung once in football. I still don't remember the second half. I was, I, I was told that I played well. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I went out the next shift and I played the rest of the game, you know, stuff like that, um, Thankfully, we're a lot more aware that that's just not smart. And uh, especially, you know, if your kid is uh, gets ahead in an injury, you're really playing with fire if they continue to play. And um, I, I also will say that, you know, you can't 100% put it on the coaches because the coaches do the, the tests and things. And I think that they're pretty good at that. But also know, um, you know, coaches pretty much there's times when they they the kid passes the test but they know they got their you know they they got a mild concussion i'll, I'll put it that way or no, stacking concussions i think is one of the things that if i could say something seriously is i have seen so many kids lose this game they can't play it anymore because they stacked concussions they had concussion after concussion and they didn't take the time or I, and I don't know if it's always taking the time or if it's just the body, they don't have the right body to play it, or they're, they're more likely to have concussions, but I, in my mind right now, Raleigh, and I know, you know, these kids too, I'm thinking of three kids that cannot play the game anymore because of bad handling of concussions. Uh, from from somebody, I, I don't know, you know, I, I can't get inside uh, uh, the decision-making that went on because I don't know it, but I do know that those are kids that, that, you know, that have lost the, the sport entirely. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I know, I know, I think two of the ones you're talking about, you know, all we three. all agree. It's, it's a shame, you know, it's a, it's a, if the, the one I'm thinking of was, you know, a really great kid. I had some experience with him. He, he helped, helped me coach a team at one point, just a great kid. And, uh, and, and a really promising, like young hockey player. And uh, uh, he was fantastic. Uh, that's the other part that I, that, that I, I feel so bad about is that, uh, this kid was really, really fantastic at, at certain elements of the game. Yeah. Well, you and remember then, Randy, uh, there was, I was going to say, I mean, that, that is a serious topic and, and boy, you don't mess around with with that because it could have such long lasting repercussions and i don't know if you ever heard the story randy or got involved but when we were both playing um out in pasadena there was one um uh one parent who had an older uh had an older son who was completely out of hockey and i engaged her in a conversation one time and she said you know he's 18 years old she comes home sometimes from work and he's staring at a TV like he's watching some intense show and the TV's not even on. And he's just not there at all. And he had suffered multiple concussions during his career, you know? So that's something you don't want to mess with. 
Yeah. Now, and I, I uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, Raleigh. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of, there's so many examples now in, in the NHL from people like Chris Pronger is, is a case study at this point of, you know, what happened to him. Um, he, he took a stick in the eye and then spent months and months rehabilitating that. Came back, um, played a couple games, took a bump that like you really, it wasn't anything big. And then went into a spiral where not only did he retire, but, you know, really had hellacious symptoms that took him years to, to, to for him to even be able to go out and leave his house. So um, there's, there's a lot of examples now and, you know, in football, hockey and whatnot, you just don't want to mess around with it, especially when it's your, your kid. So as a parent, you got to be, uh, more of a gatekeeper. Um, the the other th- example I wanted to bring up, or case study, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, we we also know of a kid again, a phenomenal, talented player, who um, sustained a, a, a what would be called a lower body injury um, that was significant, and the parent um, chose to let the kid try and play through the injury and that injury then got a lot worse and we it turned into you know, like major sort of reconstruction and i still kind of quite i still look back on that and, you know we all we we know the person and the the family that it's it's a you know it's a great guy and everything i just i couldn't understand it though I, you know we we used to talk about it like if if our kid had this injury what would we have done and we all agreed across the board surgery surgery as recommended and recuperate as long as it takes and hopefully your kid gets back to being able to play hockey at some point and it's it's very unfortunate when these things happen when you know a a kid does get a really substantial injury like that but um you know as a parent it's like you gotta uh if if at any point you're you're going well my kid needs to get out there and play because, you know, they might lose their spot on the first line or the second line or, or the fourth, you know, the third line and be dropped the fourth line or just not play, then you've lost some perspective there. And, you know, well, and also Raleigh, I know the, the, when you get further on is, will my kid be as good as the kid he played with in peewee that, that, you know what I mean? Like that kid went on and is now playing here. Uh, my kid has to stay on on the road to being a, a great hockey player as well, or else he won't have the same accolades as some of his contemporaries do. And that is a scary slope to go down as well. Uh, there, there's something else in that, though, Raleigh. That's, that's a great point, which, which yeah. um, you know, maybe this is a whole separate topic, but, um, you know, USA Hockey says your kid's going to have a better chance to succeed if they play multiple different sports and quite frankly, if they take time off from hockey and um, I think we're getting, we're seeing more and more injuries, which are repetitive stress injuries or overwork overuse injuries of joints and all sorts of things, because we have a lot of people get on, you know, feel like they're on this habit trail wheel, like you're talking about where it's like, Oh my God, my kid has got to play um, this spring and through the summer or when the you know, teams are chosen. And again, in some of the locales, these teams are chosen earlier and earlier 
um, then, you know, well, the kid's going to be behind and they're not going to make that team that they, you want to make. And my God, we've got to just continue to play hockey and they don't take the time off. I, I think some of this is USA hockey's fault as well. Um, they, you know, they say one thing, but then the message from the organizations and the coaches is another, there's no, you know, there's, they're, they're saying, do, do what, this is what you should do. But, um, but yet, you know, they're having things where like teams are being signed the week after national championships are over in many locales. Okay. So what, what, where's the taking the time off there? I mean, I guess when your kid's already, you know, an acknowledged star player, you know, phenomenon, it's not, you could take the time off, but many people now choose not to. And uh, so that's, that's a mixed message. And, um, uh, you know, back in the, everybody likes to talk about the old days and pond hockey and Gretzky and all this stuff. Well, you know, the reality is because I am old enough to be somewhat part of that era. Oh, he guys, if you don't know Raleigh, he is amazingly old. That's the one yes. thing I can, as far as his credentials in the old category go, he cannot be beaten. Please continue. Yeah, fortunately, like Methuselah, I can talk <laughs> about how, you know, in the olden days, um, like there, there just was no, there was no summer hockey. Hockey was not year round. It was a seasonal sport. It started in the winter and it was done, you know, in the, when the spring started and that was it. And I think like as a kid myself, I, I could not wait, you know, for the fall to come around to get back on the ice, but I'd also in the spring played baseball or, you know, racket sports. And, you know, it, every school is, you know, a lot of people are sending their kids to prep schools and they, the schools uh, to their credit, in most cases, uh, want the students to play multiple sports there. And, uh, and I think that's, that is the way it should be. And there's, like I said, there's plenty of uh, research out there showing that there's been a, a vast rise in, injuries that are due to overuse overwork of, of one particular you know set of muscle groups or, or joints or whatever now what about tom There's, glavin randy uh, you know i had one story? more i do but i was going to ask you something uh, if you don't mind lance i was going to ask you something to sure. bring it back to the injury um we talked about the person that uh, that had a bad injury and 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 nobody said anything to that parent when i mean now you would have told me if i was acting like an idiot about an injury with my kid am i right uh i hope i could tell you and be honest with you yes but we have that relationship but when does a parent occasionally need to you know like is there a time when a parent needs to go stand up and say something to another parent or is that going too far uh, do you think that crosses a line and it's their kid? And even if it is something that you believe is hurting the kid, see, that's what I mean. I don't know. Uh, I'm asking you a, an unanswerable question. Take it away. All right. Well, I will unanswer it. <laughs> uh, how about, uh, well, again, I, I mean, if, if I'm as close to the person like we are, and I'm close to numerous people in the hockey world, I would feel comfortable at least kind of discussing the topic with them. But, you know, I know there's a person in question that we're talking about uh, or two. And um, for those people, I was, I never felt comfortable enough that I could have like a deep heart to heart conversation with them and discuss it. So in that case, where there's not a parent who can, who's close enough to intervene, I would say, 
where are the coaches in all this? You know, they should be, uh, you know, they don't know the status of the kid or were they, are they hiding it from them? I doubt that they're hiding it from it. The coach should step in and say, look, this is the smart thing to do. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I just, I know, uh, some of, some of the people, uh, that I, I have wanted to go up and, and say something to and I never felt uh, like it was my position or my place. And yet looking back on it, I think some, some people actually were harmed by the fact, cause there was a bears team and you know what I'm talking about on the bears team. There was a kid that, that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, I still to this day, somebody should have gone up to the parents and, 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 and said something uh, because it, it just, ended I forgot very about badly. that. You just reminded yeah. me of that was, yeah. I, I remember after, cause I wasn't really close friends with them, or, but you know, they just happened to be on another team at the bears, but I remember that. And I remember the story of the kids injuries uh, which didn't happen in the hockey arena um, and was in shock, like you said, that he was playing oh, after everything God. I had heard. Yeah. How you know, imagine like you're yeah. hearing somebody on their deathbed and then, and then a month later they're playing. And yes. Boy. And then to find out after that, that it went south very quickly. Uh, well, gee, no surprise, huh, Randy? I, but still, it, it, I just don't know. I, I look back at a couple of times that I was in the hockey world, and I wonder if I should have just gotten rid of all my hockey uh, thoughts and just said my real thoughts. Uh, uh, because, you know, because every once in a while, it, it, you need to step up and, and kind of just, I don't know, present something that you know if you're worried about somebody and that's the problem you never know whether it's you're worried about them or if you just don't understand what they're going through you know that's the problem you never know you're not inside their family or their head but man there were a couple times uh where injuries i i did not feel confident to uh to step up and make that make that um declaration or say something but uh, if i could do it all again i think i would or I, at least i certainly should I, I would i had to i mean these these things ended in ways that that uh, you don't want to see a kid put through it so anyway uh i don't mean to end episode five on such a downer uh D dave could you possibly give us something happy uh to to go out on well well Thanks for uh, queuing that up for me. Here, I got one for you, Randy. How about this? This is, this is happy. Thanks, Lance. The yeah. NHL season is about to start again. Yay. And who do you have this year? Who do I have? Uh, yeah, who's going to win it all? Who's going to? Well, every year I say the same answer. And, and what, uh, like uh, 42 out of 44 years, I've been wrong, which is the Kings. Kings are going to okay. win. It. I'm going. <laughs> I, I'm going with the Avalanche. Go ahead, uh, Dave. What do you think? Um, no, I, I. Okay, Abs are Abs are a great pick. I, I think that's possible. It, you know, it's there's so much luck that goes into it. But I, uh, they, I only I'm going to make this prediction. Just watching the Kings. Um, everybody knows they've been in a rebuild. Boy, boy, is their prospect pool looking and amazing. Uh, Byfield, incredible. Like, uh, I think I think they're going to do a lot better this year 
than a lot of teams. They they could be from, you know, I, I think the Kings will, I'm going to prognosticate they'll make the playoffs this year and surprise a lot of people. There you have it, folks. Dave Ralston guaranteeing that the Kings are going to win the Stanley Cup. So put every dollar you have on the Kings for the Stanley Cup. And I'm sure the odds are incredible right now. (laughs) That is episode fortune. That is episode number five in the books. Thank you, gentlemen, and uh, thank you for listening. Remember to visit Gabe Gifford Hockey. The link is in the description and the webpage below.